Hey, you free for a catch-up? So welcome to part two of the What Is Your Wealth Health Like episode. So in last week's episode, in part one, we talked uh, and introduced the concept of wealth health. We talked about you know, what is wealth health, why should you care about it, and just sort of gave a little bit of an introduction about the world of personal finance um, and money management and why, as a 20-something-year-old, you should really start thinking about your finances. Uh, it was also, side note, <laughs> a somewhat of a shameless plug for the Happiness Investor blog, um, but we hope it was useful and that you took something away from some of the discussions that Amanda and I had. So, you know, ba- very basic personal finance Things like, uh, you know, tracking your spending, um, budgeting, um, and also um, superannuation, which is important for everyone starting their first job. So in part two of um, the What is Your Wealth episode, we will start to delve a little bit deeper into one of our favorite topics here at Free Free Cash Up, which is investing. So I know what you're thinking, you know, why should I care about investing and why should I listen to the rest of this episode? Um, But... I think it is something that every one of us, um, if we sort of take the effort to learn about it and to understand it, um, hopefully by the end of the episode, you will be convinced that it is something that is important to at least start thinking about. Um, so one of the mission missions here at Free Free Catch Up is to get you to dig a little deeper and start thinking a bit deeper about things. Uh, and hopefully it's useful. So um, we'll... Our other mission is to turn the world of personal finance into something that is not scary, something that is also uh, somewhat uh, interesting and entertaining to listen to. So we hope you enjoy the episode. One thing I do want to kind of um, emphasise, I guess, is the idea of um, paying yourself first. Right. So it might sound a bit, what does that mean? But essentially it's um, getting into a good habit of setting aside a portion of your income into a savings account as soon as you get paid because then you learn how to live off the rest of it. Um, and so you really should be saving first and spending what's left over rather than spending first and saving what's left over. Mm. So if you get that priority right from the beginning, from when you start working in your first part-time job at Macca's, if you get into that mentality, it's all about shaming, like you said, you're shaping your mentality and your mindset. Like that, that is kind of the idea. So. If you're able to form that habit when you're young, when you're older, you'll you'll kind of you know learn learn about this will come naturally to you. And the other thing I also it's not on the list, but the idea of lifestyle creep. I don't know if you've ever heard what of it. What is it? Sorry. Lifestyle creep. No. What's that? Okay, so it's the idea that it's like, okay, it's like Amanda, pretend like I'm your boss, and I'm like, Amanda, you're gonna you're gonna get a 15% pay rise. Okay. Your action's gonna be like Yay. yes. And then what's the thing? That's the first thing you're gonna think of doing after that. Splurging on something. Exactly. Ah. You said the answer. I was like, oh, I, if you were like, I'm going to invest up. <laughs> <laughs> now I will, but yeah. Splurge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what you're doing there, it's, it's called the lifestyle creep. Because every time you get a pay rise, you just you spend a little more. Mm. And, then if and then you get paid more. Then you spend more. And so you're not saving anymore. Mm, mm. So you're effectively, you're in the same position as you were before the pay rise. <laughs> that is absolutely So it's true. called the lifestyle creep because right. it creeps up incrementally creep, yeah. and you don't realize that you're doing it because you do think oh i have an extra you know tip i don't know five thousand dollars just i'm gonna yeah. do this now Same, i saw this on um so the financial diet which is a, yes. a youtube 
channel. channel. Yeah. Um, yeah, same thing. They were saying, you know, when you get, for example, your tax return back or you Spend have... It. Yeah, yeah, you're like, this yeah. is free money. Or it's you get some sort of free. Re- reinvestment. <laughs> mm. But it's actually your money and you should... I, not think of it as income, but it, it's still something that adds um, value to whatever you're, yeah. you've got yeah. in your pot. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, so I think that mentality is... Um, important and and I think it's important to know why you're saving. Mm. You're not saving so that you can blow it on something massive. It's, it's just about <laughs> establishing financial control and, and knowing. Like I always say, I always joke that you know self worth is more than net worth <laughs> <laughs> because you could have the biggest net worth in the world, but if you don't know how to kind of manage that um, and you don't feel like that's enough or there's a sense of self control, um, it's still not. It's not going to be yeah. like worth it. Um, which actually leads me to the the other book I read, which which I also mentioned in the post about. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. So it's an evidence based book. So basically, um, two American researchers went to um, survey who they thought were millionaires, <laughs> the people who live in a very opulent lifestyle. So you know, live in mansions and stuff, and, and they found that those people actually are just living a debt filled lifestyle. They're not actually. It's not about your income. It's, it's about how you spend the money you make, no matter how much that is. Um, and she, and he's, they said that the real millionaires are people who actually just live in average neighbourhoods, um, but they're able to manage their money well. So, And then that was a big, big eye for Because I, I think once you start to kind of earn a bit more at a full-time job, whatever, you think, <laughs> I'm going to upgrade my lifestyle. Mm. But that's not the way to reach financial security at all. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of... The, the, there's the... The first post, there's the second post kind of goes into into more detail about about super actually and about investing, which is uh, yeah. <laughs> my uh, it's turned into my passion project. I don't know how. <laughs> Maybe no, but that's good. I think you do need a you do everyone needs to invest, and I say that very loosely. Yes. Um, yes. At least understand the concept of what it is and how it may potentially help them. Mm. You're talking about investing in a financial context, yes. or yes, yes, yes. 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 Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I think one of the steps I put in the uh, 20 smart ways to handle your finances is to start investing. Um, and that's, and like I said, it, so if you've got super, you're already, you're an investor mm-hmm. already. You just may not know it and you may not have any control over it because you don't know that what you're <laughs> investing in. <laughs> um, but actually, uh, every one of us who has a savings account mm. or a term deposit, that's an investment. It's just a, a very low return investment. Yeah. Um, so investment yeah. basically is just anything where you... Generates return. Generates return. Where, yeah. yeah. So it can just sit there and you don't have to do anything. Yes. And you get additional... Yes. So passive income is the yeah. winner here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and so it's actually... It's an... As, it's, it's a... It's, term deposits are considered to be fixed interests, um, as is savings accounts. They're considered to be cash holdings. But you've got other investment classes like um, so shares or stocks. And you've got property, so they're kind of the main, the four main asset classes. Um, and I suppose I'm not saying that I'm like I'm not telling people what to do, kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I think there's definitely smarter ways to handle your money rather than just sticking it in a bank account, mm. um, especially with historically low cash rates. I mean, the Reserve Bank's going to cut the cash rate, I think, in the next two months. Um, and so, if you're not really knowing how to kind of best uh, utilize the savings that you have. Um, you may find yourself sort of, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say in strife, but um, you, you, you could, there could be better opportunities out there. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. one thing we have to also understand and touch on is inflation. Oh, yeah, because that's a good topic. Without understanding that and how that links, 
um, you don't really get why you need to invest. Yeah. And no. so the analogy that Scott Paper used in treadmill. his book. Treadmill. Yes, treadmill. And this yeah. absolutely resonated with both totally. of us. Totally. <laughs> it's in my next post. Oh, okay, good. I do talk about inflation. Yeah. I also show a picture of an inflatable pool and like, not inflation, <laughs> fantastic. That's a different type of inflation. It is. <laughs> but the point was that if you're on a treadmill and it's going, you know, at speed five mm. and you're walking at speed five mm. and then it increases to speed six and seven but you're still walking at speed five yeah, obviously at behind. one point you're gonna flip and like smash head first i have done the best plan <laughs> yes i know you've done that um but so the analogy is the treadmill is inflation and mm-hmm. your walking pace is how you're investing and mm-hmm. if you don't like we know looking at data that inflation rates do go up i think generally speaking so the um so inflation is measured by something called the consumer price index um, and when the Reserve Bank of Australia sets the cash rate, um, they do look at inflation rates and they do adjust it. So, so there is, and, and the reason why I bring up cash rate is because that's what um, interest rates are determined by um, by the banks. And so that kind of sets the whole um, economic environment. So there is this kind of interplay between all these different things. Um, the thing is, if you're keeping your, if you basically have no savings and and you're keeping your cash in like just a uh, like a checking account, so like something that has basically very low interest. Um, and inflation is, at the moment, I think inflation is around 2% or thereabouts. So um, essentially, <laughs> the money you have stuck in your bank account is losing purchasing power mm. as you speak. Because as time progresses and, in, and inflation creeps in, the money you have in your bank account can buy progressively less things. Yeah. Um, and so if you're not investing that properly, um, you, basically you're losing the value of your money by doing nothing. Um, and that's the equivalent of falling off the treadmill because <laughs> inflation is going to keep creeping up so if you don't know how to handle your money enough to keep up with inflation at least keep up with inflation um you'll find that in 50 years time the money that you save now has has lost its value mm. um and so that's why investing is important the the other thing is that when people think about their financial situation they look they look at you know cash in and cash out mm. so we've talked i guess focused more on the cash out part yeah which is, you know, how you budget, how your mm. body expenses are. You don't realise that the cash in is just as important. Yeah. And so the reason why I raise this is because not raise this is because um, one of the fastest ways I think Scott Pape also talks about is um, being confident enough to negotiate a proper raise. Mm. Um, and you'll find that if you've been at the job for say more than three years, you'll find that your income can very quickly fall behind market rate because of inflation. Um, because if your raise isn't kind of if your raise that you get each year is not kind of aligned with the general inflation rate, you will be very, very quickly sort of underpaid. Mm. <laughs> um, and people get comfortable and they don't want to do that. So I think if you can put enough effort into that 15-minute conversation with your boss, um, that can that can be the difference, really. That's the hard part, though. So not many people mm. have very good negotiation skills. And yes, also there's that, again, that stigma with, oh, you know, should I ask for and how much? Yep. Um yeah, so that, but, but you, so, what am I trying to say? <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, so it's just pretty difficult, yeah. but it's doable. Yes, yes. And yeah. actually, I will share, I think, in a later blog post about um, this, this book I read called Never Split the Difference, mm. and it's written by, um, it might seem really random, but it's he used to be the, um, the top uh, hostage negotiator from the FBI, and he basically talks through um, negotiation tactics, yep. um, and whilst Negotiation with your boss isn't quite as terrifying <laughs> as negotiation with a terrorist, even though maybe on the inside you think it might be. Um, it is 
and it's the same concepts for through to everyday life. Yeah, um, it's all about communication skills. Yeah, and learning which how to do it. I'm yeah. quite lacking <laughs> in most no, people's Not at all. Um, and the other thing is to improve your cash in is to start generating multiple income streams. Um, and that you might think, okay, I can't work another job. This is mm. ridiculous. But other income streams, um, the best income streams are actually passive. So I'm yes. talking about returns on investments. So yep. that's so investing that's, in the share market. Yes, or property, depending on which kind of um, area you're into. Um, and so it's yeah. really easy. So yeah, it, investing in shares may sound really scary because you know you see I used to see on the news all the time oh, the the market, the Dow Jones, it has, it has all crashed like up and down, and you're just yeah. like what. And you hear about Wall Street and you're like, oh, all these yeah. like horrible, terrible things. Yeah. So you're like, I don't want to go there. But actually, again, it's just a, it's, it's, you need, it's an education piece for mm-hmm. yourself to find out what it is about, all about and also distinguish between short-term investments with uh, short-term gain versus mm-hmm. long-term investments with uh, mm-hmm. longevity and gain. Mm-hmm. I could actually literally spend an entire podcast yeah. just talking about <laughs> investing, but I can condense it. Yeah, if you want. Sure. So I think like I, I there's gonna be a post that probably should be out by the time this is out, but basically there's sort of five well I've come up with five excuses why people don't invest. Mm. I'm not sure if you wanna go through that all this excuses. I'll be interested to hear and I'll I'll tell you if I've had the Okay, so the first excuse is I don't need to invest and that's because you don't really care about it. Yeah. So that's the main reason. Um did you tick I don't need to invest? Yep. Mm -hmm. So I put here, this is the biggest kicker. This is like the biggest kicker of them all because everyone starts off thinking this. I don't need to. Um, that's why they're not interested in it. That's why they're not interested in learning about it. Mm. So, and then um, we've already briefly touched about that. It's the concept of inflation um, and and why investing is a way for you to uh, overcome that in a sense. And also it, uh, it helps you to achieve financial control faster and with more assurance, mm. generally speaking, if you know how to... Okay, number two, Amanda, have you ever thought investing is too complex? I'll never understand enough about it to get started. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mind you, these are all excuses that I've personally also experienced. So the uh, the rebuttal I have for that is, okay, investing is complex. <laughs> There's just no way around it. Right? There, there is. But my proposition to you is investing is only as complex as you want it to be. Yep. And I say that because I think people think of things like, you know, massive crashes in the, in the share market and things like that. Um, in terms of the impact of that as you as an investor, that only impacts you if you're what they call traders. Mm. So those people who capitalise on short-term gains and short-term losses in order to make returns. And so if you're a long-term investor, those things shouldn't scare you as much. Yeah. Um, also, there are very simple strategies um, for... Uh, sorry, there are strategies to simplify your investing approach. Um, and so... The takeaway message for this one is don't be overwhelmed by the complexity. Overcome the complexity by doing your research. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess that that's the that's the barrier. The Some research people, part? Yeah, the research. Because when you yeah. go and plug something into Google, yeah. tell teach me about investing. Yeah. It's just a plethora of information. Yeah. So it's quite difficult to get through yes. that but yeah read the blog yeah well the blog yeah <laughs> yeah has yeah. done a good job at condensing all of that Ooh, <laughs> but yeah, my trust. goal is to distill um, information from a lot of different sources and to present that in a digestible manner for mm. people who are millennials i guess mm-hmm. to really understand and not to be frightened of yeah so when i was researching there's another really good site which i found which is an australian um site money smart mm-hmm. that actually 
was quite um, it's a good base to start off if you have no, no idea. Yep. Um, and it does summarize things, and it it can go into detail if you want. Yeah. So yep. I found that really useful. Um, so in the the twenty smart ways, I do list um, some resources that I personally use, and they are Australian specific, mm -hmm. so people can read that if they they wish. And it's like reliable information. <laughs> um, Okay, so and the other thing I say is if you if you wait till you learn everything about investing, you'll never get started. Because <laughs> you just there's just too much to learn. Okay, the next excuse, number three. I'm too young slash poor to invest. Oh. That didn't really occur to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well that's good. Um the reason why I put this in is because uh, as I'm talking to the young folk, a lot of people man. are like, I'm I'm too young, like yeah. I don't really know much and I don't have enough money to get started. Yep. Um the rebuttal I have for that is when you're young, time is your best asset. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much you start with. Even if you put a dollar in, which I don't recommend because your brokerage is more than a dollar, but um, if you start with... Even a thousand, I think, was um, the recommended. That, yeah. Suggested. Suggested. You don't... Like, there's... As long as it comes brokerage and it's, it should be okay. Um, your... The power of compound interest really... It just outweighs any kind of... Like, even if you put in, like, a thousand dollars or even less than that, um, compound interest compound is probably interest. the most oh. useful thing we ever learnt in math. Right? Like, you remember how to do it. So you're like, oh, it's crazy. Times 1.1. Oh, you get more money. Oh, <laughs> and then 1.1 of 1.1. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's absolutely. And it's the thing about it. That's one currency that even money can't buy is mm. time. Mm -hmm. So if you start when you're young, honestly, time time is money. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and you and you so you don't need to wait until you've started working a six-figure job. It's not for the rich. People mm. think it is. Um, but you 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 can start with um, with a lot of things, and um, the other thing is I, I would like to say that there are actually millennial friendly ways of getting into the share market. Um, things like robo investing, which I won't go into too much, but that relies on technology for advice. And there's also something called micro investing, which I don't know if you've heard of Raise, which mm. is like a micro investing app. Mm -hmm. So that actually invests. Um, so the the concept of this app is, so you buy a coffee for three fifty. Um, it invests the difference, it rounds it up, invests that the difference into like a particular stock. Um, and so you do pay like a, a yearly fee, but it just gets you into the... So idea. you mean at the point of transaction? I think it's, I'm not just at the point, but it does like shove it away and then oh, okay. do invest. So, oh, wow. but it's just, it's because, and you may, it's just incremental savings. Yeah, like yeah. you don't even realize, but... And it's also an autopilot, which is a yes. huge... Um, and I don't believe it's brokerage, although I have to have to double check that, mm. which saves a lot because each transaction you make incurs brokerage fees yeah. and each time you sell also. Right. Okay. Um, so that's that. Cool. Okay, number four. Yeah. The stock market is too risky and I could lose all my money. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not all your money, but you will lose a lot. And I get it, like, no one wants to be a loser. <laughs> and there is a genuine fear for that. But th this is where I think people's fear um, about this comes from the... I think the media plays a lot into it because you do see, like, you know, the stock market's crashed, you know, billions of dollars wiped from this, this share market today. Yeah. Um, the, the thing I want to clear up is this misconception between risk and volatility. Risk is basically when your actual return deviates from your anticipated return. So that's what risk is. Mm. So anything can be risky. Mm -hmm. um, and whereas what you're seeing on the stock market is actually volatility. So volatility is fluctuations in prices of 
particular share. Um, and so when you come to realize that as a long-term investor, you don't care so much about volatility because you know that in the long term you make gains, that's kind of the biggest yeah. point of difference. Actually, that also ties in with um, emotional and rational decision-making oh. because if you're so scared about that, mm. then you're not obviously not going to take that mm. make that choice to do it. But yeah. if you act, look, do the research and say, you know, this is a fact, compound interest, etc. Yeah. yeah then, okay, well, it makes complete logic. Yeah, it, it does. And I think you have to have that long-term vision. Um, and also don't forget that um, it's any kind of downturn in the market is an unrealized loss. So actually, I'm reading a, a book called The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham, and he's actually the, uh, the mentor of Warren Buffett. Mm. <laughs> or not mentor, I'm not sure if mentor is the right word. But um, yeah, it's, it's basically the idea of being, um, being a long-term investor, so not being not being sort of too too scared to invest um, because you should never be in a position that where you're forced to sell when you're not ready. And that's actually where people make the biggest losses. Um, you wouldn't, and if you're investing long-term anyway, you wouldn't need to sell. No, no. Some, the thing is some people do because they need to liquidate their assets. Oh, okay. Yep. So I'm saying don't invest something or don't invest amounts of money that you plan to touch yep. in the next yep. kind of sort of foreseeable future. Because if you're forced to sell, that's when people make real losses. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, so that's that. And the, okay, the last one's a bit controversial, so I'm not sure. <laughs> Property investing is a better investment option. I have no comment on that one. Okay, <laughs> okay. This is a, I did put this in as number five. I snuck it in there because I think it's controversial. But there are basically um, three reasons why I think it's more realistic that millennials start with investing in equities. So equities are shares. And this is your personal opinion. It's my personal opinion. If, you, if you're a property investor, by all means, go for it. But these are just kind of reasons why I've, after reflecting, I think for millennials, um, especially people on the younger side, why the share market is a more um, realistic option. So first of all, it's a smaller out- outlay. Mm. So you need, unless you're a super savvy saver, you probably don't have $100,000 to make as a down payment. <laughs> uh, depends how much of a saver you are. And so the, the outlay for getting started in equity investment is nowhere near as high. Yep. So that's that's one of the reasons. Yep. Second reason is you have better liquidity. Yep. So depending on the property cycle, um, the location and the economic environment, property can actually be a fairly illiquid asset. If you think of how much time it takes to put your property on the market and then sell it, it could be mm. months, could be years. Um, whereas, now I'm not advocating you be a trader, but if you needed to liquidate, you could mm. quite quickly. So that's the other thing. Yep. And then the final one is is generally just simpler to get started. Mm. Um, there's just there's because it's not much as much capital investment. You you can do your research online. You can start with smallish amounts of money and then just see how it goes. Um, and not to undermine the complexity of property investment because it is in very <laughs> it is complex. Um, but I think it's simpler to get started with equities. Um, and also the transactional component of equity investment is done online. Yeah. So every it's, it's more, more accessible. accessible. Yeah. So that's kind of the main reason. So I'm not saying that everyone should only focus on equities, but I think if you're younger, it's it's kind of easy to get into. Yeah. And and it, so it's just to kind of tie it back to like why I spent the last we've spent the last <laughs> rambling about investing is the whole idea of that it helps you to achieve a sense of financial control mm. that you wouldn't um, it'd be harder to get if you just didn't care about your money and also just you just stuck it in a bank account. Mm. So that's the whole. It's not to become mega wealthy. Mm. Let me just 
yep. put that out there. Yeah. Um, and even for us, like for me and, and Dixon, like, yeah. so we're married, obviously, so we've yeah. got um, different priorities um, compared to like a single income. But if we're talking to each other about what, how we want to use our money mm. is a conversation that I think every married couple should have. If you can't talk about that with your spouse, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else you're talking about. <laughs> um, but it's, it's actually, I don't know, I, I don't hear many people talk. Well, obviously, I'm not privy to their conversations, yes. but it's not something like that you talk about probably even before you make a commitment, yeah. like before you get married. Yeah. Um, you need to be on the same page about that. Yeah. Because you have wildly different financial habits, you probably want to be on the same page about it. And and it's I guess it's embedded in statistics of like mm. how money management is That's probably the one first of the... thing you'll argue about. Ah. If you don't have it, if everything else is in line, like you can have great values and everything, yeah. but some, but because you're brought up differently, mm. you've got different backgrounds and different ways of thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, but yeah. um, I was gonna say our purpose is so that we can have we can have financial security and stability, and also hopefully free up our time so that we can spend more time doing mm. things like for church and mm. our own hobbies and family and stuff mm. like that later down the track. So. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to juggle that whilst not having a stable financial foundation? Well, be, be tough. yeah, and like some people also have make that like choice to they they, they enjoy working and that's really good. Mm. Like if they want to continue, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's just I guess mm. start thinking about it because these mm. things are gonna creep up on you and you're gonna be like, oh man, <laughs> I wish I thought about this when I was younger because. But it's never too late. It's never no, too late. no, even like even Scott Paper was saying in his book, if you're fifty, just start now. Like yeah. there's no point. Just worrying about what you didn't do to make a difference from this <laughs> moment on. The, the cliche saying is um, like, um, the best time to start um, investing is yesterday. The second best time is today. <laughs> I was like, I'm Love sorry, I have, to, I have to put that, that in there. That is so good. So it, it just kind of is, yeah, about that. And like we say, it's not about getting rich per se or wealthy per se. It's just, it's about promoting awareness, about talking about finance. Good chat. Thank you so much for listening to episode two. I hope that it was interesting and useful and it piqued your interest in something that you maybe hadn't previously been interested in. Make sure you check out all the references um, and the books and the studies. Like I said in the podcast, moneysmart.gov.au is a really good site to get started. So if you like what you're hearing, give us some feedback, uh, email, put a comment on Instagram or put some comments on the soundtrack. Uh, We'll be happy to read it. Uh, and also will keep us going. So we've got a couple of other topics scheduled for the next few episodes. So stay tuned and we will be back with more from Free For A Catch Up. Bye.